Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3 and it's now time for Market View where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market closed for the day, the biggest movers and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started the day. Well, Singapore stocks dipped at the open after global markets finished lower overnight. And in early trade, we do see the Straits Times Index falling 0.1% to 3,220 points. Some 22 million securities changed hands then. But not to worry, as we look at the closing numbers, the Benchmark Straits Times Index, it closed up 0.12% at 3,226 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 754 million Sing dollars. Now, gainers trailed losers 265 versus 277. Top advances for the day, we have Jim HUSD, Angro and iFast, and top decliners, Jardin Cycle and Carriage, New Incorporation USD and Kongguan. Now in terms of companies to watch, as we told you earlier, we have MM2 Asia because the company said it agreed to subscribe for about 19 million Hong Kong dollars worth of bonds issued by concert organiser Unipac Entertainment and Productions. Now elsewhere, from TSMC mulling and investment in chip designer Arm Holdings to China's export slump easing in August and what is happening with the U.S. service sector? More international news remain in focus. Joining us on the line is David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Tian Great Thank to have you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you as always. And David, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Any surprises, say, MM2 Asia? Does this position it for further growth within the region? Okay, uh, on the STI first, I think uh, looking at the uh, the uh, trading data is uh, it's actually a very low volume day, you know, as mm. you know, apart from the STI, the regional markets, you know, were lackluster. And uh, apart from a weak closing of the US markets overnight, you know, I would say the reason, you know, for the downbeat uh, mood earlier today will be, will probably stem from the uh, movement of the onshore yuan, which actually fell to the lowest level against the US dollar this mm. morning. You know, with your mounting pressure on the Chinese economy remaining, and uh, for this, I think uh, just because of this uh, onshore yuan movement, it has actually dragged the Asian markets lower. You know, including the STI today, at least for most of the days. But you know, thanks to the local banks, which managed to eke out some gains, along with uh, the likes of Semcorp Industries and Citrum, the STI actually experienced a slight turnaround after 3 p.m. And uh, again, this was despite a very weak opening of the European market. So uh, kudos to SDI. Yeah. And uh, okay, so on MM2, let me uh, see. Okay, uh, if I look at the MM2 share price today, uh, I think the move didn't seem to be, didn't deem to be exciting by the market. Yeah. So uh, the performance was like, quite selfish today for MM2. So uh, my thought on this would be that, uh, I think firstly, given that, you know, MM2 actually holds stakes in both unusual management and unusual limited. Mm. And, you know, and this, uh, and unusual production in turn is also one of the brands under Unipack. It's not surprising that, you know, MM2 knows Unipack well and you know what it has to offer in terms of coverage, you know, for its business. So if I look at the terms of the uh, purchase, I think the bonds, I think it uh, could be exchangeable, exchangeable to share. So only, uh, I think, amounting to about, to around 5%, 5% yeah. yeah, if it's converted. So financially, I think I don't think it's going to be that significant. So we can perhaps, you know, think of this deal as more strategic, you know, than financial. 
Mm. And in the meantime, uh, David, let's take a look at some of the headlines around the region. Uh, as you, you were telling me earlier that ASEAN has officially launched negotiations for a new digital economy framework agreement. And it is also mm. said that ASEAN's digital economy has the potential to grow as much t- as uh, $2 trillion US dollars by 2030. What does this mean for the fintech landscape within the region? Has the groundwork been laid? Okay, uh, I think if, uh, you know, with this agreement alone, we are talking about uh, digi- digital trade facilitation, payments, uh, standards and data. So financial technology is a key area to watch out for. Mm. And advancements in uh, financial technology have certainly facilitated your accelerated payment, enhanced transaction security, etc. And some of the considerations uh, likely to go into this agreement, uh, you know, will be the likes of whether the current ecosystem in the region could actually uh, stomach the uh, setup of this corporation. And one part of this uh, ecosystem would be, of course, the fintech or how the existing uh, fintech unicorns could perhaps you know, play a huge part in this. And I mean, looking at, uh, you know, data over the last few years, you know, what I think we the, and the market have been seeing is that this fintech adoption has shown significant growth over the last few years, driven by factors such as, you know, increased smartphone penetration, expanding uh, internet connectivity and growing uh, middle class populations. And uh, the demand for fintech, you know, in my opinion, is further supported by a large proportion of, you know, unbanked and underbanked population within mm-hmm. the ASEAN nations. Yeah. And, you know, unbanked people, they do not have bank accounts. Well, those who are underbanked have bank accounts but insufficient access to financial services. Mm. So, you know, as uh, digital services continue to boom in ASEAN, you know, more consumers are definitely familiar and are much more comfortable with using uh, financial services. And, you know, with all these trends discussed in place, the need for perhaps, you know, this type of agreement in ASEAN is only a matter of time. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. And uh, David, let's talk about China. Exports slumped okay. east in August, adding to early signs that the worst may be over. Uh, your thoughts on this? At what point mm-hmm. can we safely say that China is out of the woods? I think it's still too early to say whether this uh, data is a tiny green shoot because yeah. I think our data doesn't make a trend as I already said yeah. uh, several times before. But if we take a look, uh, maybe on the Chinese uh, equities you know, side, you know, I talk to over 10 to 20 of my peers you know, regularly over this. So, you know, despite a prevailing concern, you know, over the slow, slow out, you know, property bailout measures, uh, most of my peers, they do agree that, you know, the China's ongoing property market correction is not, still not severe enough, you know, to drag the economy into a Japan-style, you know, lost decade. A scenario we have been hearing for the past several weeks, you mm. know, pricing by intense selling in uh, just last month. So as a whole, you know, most of my peers, they will actually attribute um, China's economic slowdown to a confidence issue yep. rather than a structural one. So, uh, as we all know, structural issues will be more difficult to tackle. And, uh, you know, those who actually still hold on to uh, Chinese equities, you know, cited factors such as attractive valuation, a large mm. and resilient domestic market, etc. So, main coming back to the economy, um, definitely we will need to see uh, more concrete signs of, you know, uh, positive data arising from China trade and inflation data, you mm. know, showing uptake, you know, before we can say, you know, there are, there are signs of recovering, you know, coming up. Hmm. And let's head over to the US, David. TSMC will decide whether to invest in a chip designer. 
Arm Holdings IPO this week. And speaking of IPO, I believe the price we are looking at for Arm is somewhere between 47 mm-hmm. and 51 US dollars a piece. Your thoughts on the level of interest for Arm so far? A boost to SoftBank, the parent, do you think? As you were saying, the company will value at between you know, US 48 mil and you know, between 48 billion to 52 billion. This is in terms of market cap. And uh, if we do take a look at this, this is actually a lower valuation range you know, than the uh, 64 billion valuation that SoftBank soft bank paid for paid for its uh, 25% stake. Mm. So, um, you know, to the vision fund, it's not really a boost here, yeah. but uh, rather an avenue in which, you know, SoftBank could recoup some outlays back. So, in uh, our own analysis, we actually think the value of, uh, you know, ARM should be around, you know, perhaps in the lights of US, 26 to $40, using a price-to-sales metric of around 12 eight times but uh, I mean to be frank uh, we find it difficult to value arm holdings at higher valuation multiples you know um, you know than the likes of Nvidia or even uh, for companies like cadence design systems you know which have higher sales growth and profit margin than arm holdings and we believe that uh, the lack of sales growth at arm holdings is likely to be one of the major reasons you know why many investors uh, will avoid this IPO so this is our view. Mm. And finally, before we let you go, David, let's talk about the US ISM non-manufacturing PMI, which basically gauges services sector activity in the US. It actually rose to 54.5 points in August, the highest reading since February. Should we read the strength in the US services sector mm. as the sector being resilient or as the sector being uh, for lack of better words, sticky in face of earlier rate highs? Okay, I think uh, this Massive bid has actually, you know, uh, sort of shifted the price in the Fed outlook once more, I mean, in terms of the interest rate high. So the long end of the Fed curve now has actually, you know, shifted much higher compared to where we were, you know, just one month ago. So in fact, the pricing for the first rate cut, you know, at the start of August was in March 2024 initially, but now this, that has been pushed back to June 2024. So with this being said, you know, this, uh, this piece of data alone has actually affirmed the strength of the services sector and also the U.S. economy. And uh, for this, it all has also unfortunately renewed talks on you know, the, the Fed having more to do. Mm. So uh, as well as we see from the U.S. market yesterday after this piece was renewed, was released, the U.S. yields actually climbed and the U.S. stocks fell. It's very hard these days, right, uh, David, when you have bad news being read as bad news sometimes and bad news read as good news sometimes. It really depends from where, where we are looking. Uh, thanks, David. Yes, and sir. that was David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.